0: Welcome to the Omaha podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Mosley from the Mosley Group at NP Dodge. And I'm here with co-host Scott Dobby, the executive director with Omaha by design. Every month, the Omaha podcast brings you the most relevant and up-to-date information on the real estate scene in the city we call home. We'll talk about making wise decisions about your biggest investment, your home. We'll learn about big developments coming to Omaha, how to start investing in real estate, and much more. Today we're talking about historic homes and neighborhoods in Omaha and what it means to buy an older home. And today we are here with special guest, Tim Reeder, the co-broker, co-owner of Better Homes and Gardens, the Good Life Group, and Old Omaha Vintage Real Estate Team. For more than 20 years, Tim has been helping his clients in the buying, selling, and preserving of historic homes in the Omaha area. He understands the challenges that old homes present as well as the rewards they hold. Tim, welcome to the Omaha podcast. Uh, Thank you very much. So we're not a food show, we're not a food podcast, but I was uh, taking a client, an out-of-town client around town uh, last week, and they had lots of questions about the restaurants in Omaha. So let's start with an easy question. What's your go-to recommendation for a very unique Omaha restaurant? You get to go first, You're looking at me? Okay, I'll take it up,
1: you know, and I guess we could be a food podcast. I mean, that's my (laughs) other great passion and love. (laughs) Goodness. I mean, we are blessed in this town, aren't we? With so many places. Yeah. I mean, I got to give a shout out to Sarah Baker Hansen, who's kind of our resident food critic for a city, I think, if we can anoint her that. Yeah. And the Eater 38 list she just published. So if you want a broad look, go there. But for my personal favorite, for my wife and I, Ovilee in Dundee, mm. uh, it was just blocks away from where we lived for 10 years and you know, grew up and welcomed our four kids into the world, you know, and uh, to be able to head over there and sit on the patio and they didn't judge us if we brought our little kids along and underneath a Campari so umbrella. You know, <laughs> I, perfect. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's awesome. Uh, me, it would be uh, Greek oh. Islands. So when I first moved to Omaha uh, 25 years ago, um, it was the first restaurant I ate at, and it had just moved into the little place it was in now because it was it moved a few doors down. Yeah. And um, to even many, many years later, it's still the place I go or I send my clients to. It's a great restaurant. Greek Islands at thirty six and Center.
0: Yes, right. yes. We've we've been there uh, several times is one of uh, my wife's favorite places as well. Uh, mine would be Block 16. Oh yeah, downtown. Uh, I don't. So I don't know if you follow them on Twitter, but uh, they, the the pictures they show of their food are just like it's just crazy looking at the pictures and like I think I'm gonna go down there for lunch today because it's so delicious. <laughs> but. Uh, Just get there they're, early. They're so creative. Like the, the food that they uh, put out there is so delicious and doesn't matter what the special is. It's always good. So, All right. Yeah. That's incredible. All right. Enough about food. Uh, let's get down to our topic today. So let's start off with the first obvious question. What do we mean when we're talking about a historic home or neighborhood? Is there a certain age, design, area of town, architect, et cetera, that we could talk through? Uh, what What do we, how do we define it? And, uh, you know, we can, if we look around the Omaha area, you can find farmhouses from the 1800s, but does that make them, you know, they're old, but does that make them historic? Right? So when you, Tim, I'm going to throw this one to you, as you think about historic homes, how do you define that?
2: Well, it is hard to define. So it's a good question to start with. Um, so when I was a new realtor, um, I started thinking about what Def- I wanted to specialize in old homes and, uh, cause I just loved them, but I couldn't define what that was. Um, and at that time I it pretty much was just Victorian houses. That was in me. That was anything that was built in the 1800s, maybe up to 1910. That's what I considered old at the time. But then my perception and even others has grown to, um, of course, uh, craftsmen and you know, all sorts of different Tudor revivals, all sorts of things and to mid century. And it, it was interesting. Cause I, I saw when I first moved to Omaha, cause I wasn't from here, I'm from Fairbury, Nebraska. And so I moved here in the late nineties and I started seeing mid century houses and I hadn't, didn't, I hadn't seen at d- a level that I'd never seen them before. And I thought, gosh, those are really, really cool, but they weren't really appreciated here. When you went online, when line line started to happen, um, you started to look, and mid century architecture was getting popular throughout the country. Um, and it t- and like everything, I would say Omaha's twenty to thirty years behind. And it was took a while, but then yeah, mid century became the rage. So yeah, even mid century is historic. Mm-hmm. So at this point, um, d- uh, not every property <laughs> is historic, sure. right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> just because it was built you know, at a certain time doesn't make it an amazing property. So then I guess I could say when I started my team, we had to decide and define what that was, mm-hmm. and what is old? So we stopped using the word historic as much and just old and old meaning anything that has character or style. And so now as a real estate broker who specializes in historic and old houses, uh, anything older than 1978, I say, if it has lid based paint, then I like it. So (laughs) so that's our. Well, and the truth is, is because even in the seventies now, well, like the one I'm, about to list, is a 1977, and it's just this amazing piece of architecture. You still had, you know, granted, they might be a little fewer and far between now, but you still have some amazing architecture back then. Yeah,
1: yeah, I will say that's something that I noticed as well. I mean, One of my favorite kind of extracurriculars that I've been able to be involved in is the uh, City of Omaha's Landmarks uh, Preservation Historic Commission. Yeah. Uh, and in that case, you know, we were looking at things that, per federal statute, anything older than 50 years is eligible for historic preservation so you know I, I would say that you know people in houses age at different rates right so i'm, I'm certainly not Calling anybody who's fifty, any of our listeners, historic. And by the way, you know, in just over a decade, I'll, I'll be with you too. Uh, but I turned fifty last week. Well, hey, there yeah, you now, go. Now I'm realizing
2: you're right. That is about the uh, the old. But it's an market. interesting distinction,
1: yeah. right? Because yeah. you hear 1972, and it doesn't sound historic. It's not. It's certainly not Victorian. Right. And yet, there are properties of such quality that we yep. can look back and say, "Wow, they really encapsulated a design ethos of their time." And there's a there's an inherent value to that. Yeah,
0: totally agreed. Yeah. Great. Uh, So Tim, you referenced this idea that there's a reward in owning a historic older home. What is that reward? So, you know, if I'm a buyer and I'm thinking about moving and maybe never have considered a historic home, what's the reward in owning something like that?
2: I guess I can say what my reward is and the people that that tell me. Mm -hmm. And that is just the the feeling of living in an old house the feeling of living in a home that's older than you older than your grandparents something that has some real quality to it but it's not just the house um although the house is a big part of it it's the neighborhood it's the tree-lined streets it's um it's 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 the city you being in more of an urban core so the house is part of it but it's also the people around you so so
1: true i couldn't have said it better
0: and you've lived, I mean, Scott, you've lived in lots of different historic homes. What's the reward that you've found from living in those types of homes?
1: Yeah, we effectively have um, from Chicago to here, and uh, yeah, in each case, I mean, I would have to agree that it's the home. Um, you feel like a certain uh, stewardship of the home, like you recognize that you're one family maybe passing through this home, but already at this point, there have been four or five or more, and there you hope will be more in the future. So what you do with that home, you kind of it takes a greater weight. Um, you want to be respectful to it, I find, and then the the rewards of just being in a neighborhood that is people centered like that, that was built such that you can, you know, naturally walk to schools and walk to parks and walk to some small neighborhood shops and restaurants. Um, those are natural characteristics that happen to exist in those older neighborhoods, and they just keep giving back.
2: Yeah, it's totally true. My first house in Omaha, it was in the field club area, um, and it we restored it. And um, we were the 27th owners that I could count, and it was built in 1890. And I felt a sense of responsibility um, as we chose to save the home, because not every home like that is going to get saved, um, the responsibility. And then the reward was not just what we created out of it, but that we were, that we were part of it. We were part of this home's history, and this house that is now 140 some years old or whatever um, is going to have a, a far longer life now than had we not done what we did to it. Yeah. So yeah.
0: So on the flip side, then there are obviously drawbacks of owning any particular home, but historic homes have their drawbacks as well. You know, you hear the horror stories of knob and tube wiring and and plumbing issues and foundation issues and just all that runs a gamut, which you run into those problems too, in some respect in other homes. But what are maybe some things to be aware of as a buyer when considering a historic home or an older home?
2: Well, you either are a buyer of an old home or you're not. You can't force yourself. Um, And you typically, buyers buy emotionally. And um, typically when somebody... uh, aside from a tight real estate market where you can get got to take what you get, buyers are typically looking at an older home because they want an older home. They want something with style and character. And so they rarely are looking for something that is turnkey and that there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. So um, you got a, a new buyer on an old home. They got to not be afraid and not be, af- not be afraid of what could happen down the road or, or knob and too boring. Don't get me wrong knob and tube wiring as an example is not necessarily safe, but I have it in my house right now and I have no intention of taking it out in, in certain areas because I'm just leaving it alone. You know, when I do some more remodeling in that room, I might, but it doesn't have to be taken out just cause it's there. Um, and so there's a lot of things that scare and then misinformation, whether it be that the, the realtor that unknowingly is not necessarily giving that buyer the right advice or scaring the buyer off. Um, the buyer needs to be able to make their own decisions and be able to think through, is this something that is going, uh, that I can tackle that I can afford. They also have to be ready to not live in a perfect house Mm -hmm. because it's never going to be perfect. Period. Period. I would, I remember years ago I had a, a realtor say to me, I don't know how you deal with all these old homes because these inspections are just brutal. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was just, he was going on about how these inspections were, this is when you could get inspections. (laughs) Um, But he he was just saying that there, and he was going down the list and I'm like, well, what is the house you're talking about? And it was built in the 1980s. And I'm like, well, that's not old. <laughs> uh, um, and because this was, by the way, this was like 2000 or so. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I was able to say, well, typically when I get these old inspections, the buyers are not looking for them to be perfect. Uh-huh. They're looking, they, they're okay with certain things. But if I'm selling a house that's 10 years old or 15 years old, they often expect it to be kind of perfect mm-hmm. or a little in better shape. And mm-hmm. so I find it easier to sell.
1: Interesting. Cause there is no maintenance free home. I mean, you're signing up for it re- regardless of whether it's 10 years old, it's brand new, or it's 110 years old.
0: Scott, you were, you were talking about how, you know, you've lived in historic uh, homes, you know, your whole adult life, maybe like when you were in Chicago and now in Omaha. Um, and then, you know, you've been in Dundee and Loveland. Did you ever consider building new? Or did you ever consider like moving out West into Elkhorn or something like that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we, we waited and as we first moved back to Omaha, uh, we even looked at properties, uh, much further afield, you know, 180th and Harrison and thereabouts. Uh, and I think that it's probably wise for everybody to kind of seek that out and figure out, okay, what is right for us? And quickly for us, it confirmed that we are those kind of old home buyers, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's no right or wrong, but it's a matter of your kind of preference that brought us back. Um, we're living in the youngest house I think we've ever been in, and it's um, 83 years old. Uh, but you come to really appreciate what you can find in that vein, and and uh, again, it's it's this great thrill to kind of be part of that ownership chain in a home, uh, and to try to make the moves the like that will stand the test of time.
0: Yeah. Where did you live in Chicago?
1: Uh, a couple places. Um, we were in the city both times. Um, one time just off the blue line uh, in Ukrainian Village, uh, which was really just kind of uh, still very rough around the edges. Uh, and then uh, in Lincoln Square, which is a little further up the brown line. Um, both cases, I mean, multi-unit places, there was no way we were, you know, able to afford a, a standalone that way. Uh, but I'd say each was probably 115 to 120 years old.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so Tim, back to you. As you were, um, you know, if you had a new buyer coming in, and what's what's kind of the thing that you tell them right off the, the bat when they're considering historic neighborhoods or homes? What what do you kind of prep them at when they're looking at these homes? Well,
2: usually they already are mentally prepared to look at old homes, so I don't have to do much convincing, and and. There was a time when I was, again, a new realtor and I would meet somebody and they would immediately start going out west because that's where they thought they were supposed to go. And so I sometimes I, I would let it happen and sometimes I would be in a position where I could kind of say, hey, have you looked over here? Have you looked over here? My goal is to drive them around so they can learn the, the, the city and see it. And the nice thing about our city is that it's very, you can see the growth from from the river west and it's just the 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 urban the more suburban and like district 66 that area is now historic and got beautiful trees just wait till that once you get past i680 it's not going to be too long well there already are areas over there that are historic you know and and it's getting it's awesome It, it is interesting to think that well uh harvey oaks Harvey Oaks is a suburban neighborhood at 142nd and center. That's considered to be a pretty cool historic area. Isn't that kind of fun to start seeing these areas right before our eyes are becoming historic?
0: Yeah. So Yeah. Uh, and this is a question for kind of both of you, right? Like thinking about uh, investing and moving into historic homes and neighborhoods. We're all familiar with Dundee, with Happy Hollow, Fair Acres. Uh, but if you have a budget of, you're not buying into those neighborhoods. So what neighborhoods would you point these buyers to that maybe can't get above that 350 mark? Maybe up and coming historic neighborhoods? Uh, Where do you kind of take your buyers for that?
1: Goodness, there's still so much out there. I mean, that's one of the places where you just have to love the Omaha Metro because as opposed to other bigger places where so much of that has already kind of gone and it's out of reach for a lot of folks. I mean, because the truth be told, uh, I mean, you learn how far a dollar goes and uh, spoiler alert, it doesn't go as far as it used to. Uh, I mean, that's why on this podcast, we're going to be talking affordable housing at a very soon upcoming episode, uh, because it's critical that we get the policy and the products right. But the beauty is that there are still homes uh, of historic character that are affordable. In fact, I think there's homes uh, that have great bones in them that actually, if you took them apart stick by stick, the raw value of the materials in those homes is more valuable than than the home is appraised right now, which to me says a great opportunity to invest in a, a neighborhood that's on the upswing. And when, when you ask particulars there, I mean, I think of, oh gosh, um, you know, uh, little Italy is kind of taken off of course, but you know, Dalman and kind of South of downtown there in the bluffs over by the river, um, Minelusa, uh, is uh, it's just a beautiful neighborhood with the boulevard and parks and, uh, you know, shoot, uh, go Tim, you know, you've got, you know, these like the back oh, of your hand. Oh yeah, I'm
2: ready. Um, Hanscom park would be the big one. Oh, and I'm yeah. talking about like, if you look at where Hanscom park, the whole area is, it's not just around Hanscom park. It goes all the way to 42nd street, all the way down to the interstate. Um, and that whole swath of the air of the city uh, was never turned into large scale rental or multifamilies. Almost all the houses are still there. There's just not a lot of business in that area, but it's a large part of town that is still underappreciated. Um, and uh, granted the values have gone up quite a bit. Um, that's a big one. Large portions of Northeast Omaha that have been overseen and neglected for years. I mean, Northeast Omaha is the next midtown. I mean, it's not going, it's only going to continue to go up and up and up. It's been fun to see Minnalusa who, which for people that don't know Minnalusa is one of Omaha's most historic little neighborhoods, all all craftsmen, all planned out. Um, it was, uh, it was along the, the, uh, the Florence Boulevard, As, you know, you would they would drive right up that and they would go up to the floor. It was just, it was part of the most beautiful park and boulevard system. And then, but not just Florence and Minilusa, you go west of that. And, you know, by Florence Lawn Cemetery and all these areas. Omaha, even at its worst, never really had that bad of neighborhoods. And as a realtor, I have to be very careful what I say. But I'm saying Omaha is a great city. And there isn't a single part of the city that I wouldn't go in. And, and, there, and there, not everybody feels that way. And it's unfair. So that means there's still a lot of opportunity. Bemis Park. The uh, Bemis Park has just absolutely exploded, and I'm very proud to be the number one realtor in that area. Because, <laughs> And I have I have lots of really great ones coming up, too, by the way. But just a couple of years ago, 180 was pushing it. I remember having a property in Bemis Park that I just couldn't sell. It was a duplex. And my God, I wish I would have bought that years ago. Um, but now, um, 500 is kind of a benchmark in Bemis Park, which is just, and this isn't just the last two years pandemic, although that is a huge part of it. It's appreciation, appreciation of the area. Um, And then, you know, you just, you're going to start seeing more, I hope, uh, good investment. And I mean, homeowner investment, not necessarily investor investment north of that. And it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. That if, and I'll say this publicly because I'm not doing it. I would love to take Military Avenue, you know, like Hamilton and the Military Avenue, go north, start restoring all that buildings. I mean, that could be another Blackstone. People don't realize oh, totally it's there. Good,
1: totally could.
2: It's and and the yep. difference there is you got houses all mm-hmm. around it, and they are historic mm-hmm. houses. I just sold one right there, a brick, beautiful Craftsman for like 130. Oh, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. But the point is, is that the the value was so squashed. So yes, as far as parts of town, uh, just drive. There are so
0: many. Yeah. I love the area. Uh, you know, Benson is not necessarily up and coming. It's kind of been established now, uh, over the last 10, 15 years of really that resurgence, but the areas, the neighborhoods right around Benson, you know, country club is well known, but just to the West of there, there's been a lot of homes that have, that have come up that I think are, you know, they're kind of pushing that 350 mark, but they're also, uh, you know, that's a great neighborhood to look into. So, Good. So, Tim, you, you know you've been uh, doing real estate for over 20 years, and you know you've really focused in on that kind of historic or older homes, like we've talked about. Uh, I'm sure you have some stories that you could share about some of those. Uh, you know, as realtors, we see all sorts of things on showings that uh, you know, funny stories or weird animals or all sorts of things. So, what's maybe one story you would share with us that? something crazy that you saw or interesting that came from a showing or helping somebody buy or sell a house.
2: I have a lot
0: of stories, <laughs> but a lot of them
2: cannot be recorded. Um, you know, well, you know, I found I found several dead people. I, you know, the, the really? houses. Yeah, I've been in the business for twenty five years, so you know, I, I've had a lot of those kinds of things, but and some really fun stories. But I think as far as what you're really asking about is finding cool old stuff in houses, and that's really what matters. So um, one of the biggest ones was in my own. And that was the house that we were restoring. In, in, I keep saying Field Club because we lived on the border of Field Club and Ford Bursite. And this back, I got this stuck in my head back before people even knew where Ford Bursite was. Uh, but I was actually more in the Ford Bursite neighborhood. So I got to clarify that. Um, the, we, I found a one day I, I was going up and down the basement stairs. There was always a loose step. This loose step had been that way for a long time. And then one day I just hit it just right and it gave out. And I looked underneath there and Deep in the back under the stairs was a box. And, um, and it was. It was way back there, and I had to crawl in between. It was a little freaky. Anyway, I had to get that box, um, and I pulled it out, and it was um, about 500 pages of love letters for all from one woman to a a boy who lived in that house, and then um, and so I did my and it was really cool. Uh, They were dated uh, 1800s and 1905, um, and I did my homework, and she did. He didn't marry her; he married somebody else. (laughs) So, and it was sad because they. I mean, she was very much in love. Um, That was probably that was probably the coolest. Um, we, what I like is when I am in a home and I am able to show, the seller, something they didn't know about their house or and they'll ask me what, is, and they'll have been there for 20 years or 30 years and they'll look, have this gadget on the wall and they'll say, what is this? And I'm able to immediately say what it is. And those happen a lot. And I always get really excited about that. Um, but then other than that, I'm telling you lots of bomb shelters. I don't know if Omaha people realize how many oh, bomb shelters yeah. there are in Omaha. Lots of them.
0: There's there. one in Happy Hollow that the house has been listed forever. Uh, that they turned it into that. a wine cellar, Yeah. right? And so there's like this bomb shelter you walk into, and there's all the venting still so and everything cool. for it. But they, you know,
2: so cool. Yeah. I think the one of the other fun things that I found, which is is it was about 50 years old, so it was historic at the time. Was it was a ranch house in base in Bellevue, and just a basic mid mid 1950s ranch. And we went down in the basement, and it was. Um, There was a really cool party room down there. Um, It was amazing, but this one wall was just a full wall, and it was drapes—just a wall of drapes. Mm -hmm. Well, whenever I pushed a button, and they opened up, and it uh, was—and then I flipped on the lights, and it was the most amazing diorama thing. It was about five feet deep. It was in the wall. It was glass front. And it was, it was a whole scene of like houses and water and deer. And then, and it was the lights turned on and it was like a room sized room. It was entertainment. And then you flipped on a switch and the snow started to blow. And then the little, and then the (laughs) river started to move. It was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And you know, whoever bought that house just ripped that out. I know that, you know, they did, but I just hope they took some really good video first. And it was just the coolest thing. But the, the other thing is that when we are realtors and we're in other people's houses, Houses we're not supposed to take pictures, and so I don't have pictures of the cool stuff I see. (laughs) It's probably (laughs) good. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Scott, do you have any?
1: Anything like that? (laughs) In your time, have you run into anything? Uh,
0: I mean, this uh, strange. It wasn't necessarily a historic home. It was over in West Side. It was a foreclosure, and I was taking a client through, and we were walking around, and it was pretty beat up, uh, being as it is the foreclosure. And I just kind of glanced over to the fireplace, and there was a skull in the fireplace. Halloween decoration, I'm sure I didn't investigate too much further, but it was just kind of this charred skull sitting in the fireplace next to some wood, and that was probably the strangest thing that i have run across. One of my
2: colleagues just found a jar of teeth. Just a big old jar of teeth. Kids, you know, mm-hmm. they lose, they lose all their teeth. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look... Do you like hold on? Do you hold on? We yeah. should have recorded <laughs> this around Halloween. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Oh, man.
0: Okay, so uh, last thing, just before we kind of uh, end the, the podcast for today, what is one thing that you think the listeners should take away from our conversation as they think about historic homes or neighborhoods in Omaha?
2: Well, for me, I mean, it, it. Again, it's a little hard because I would never want to force anybody to buy an old home. You either are an old home portion or you're not. And the reason I also say that is because if everybody loved old homes, our city, our inner city, would be much more crowded. I'm very happy that our city has grown and, and suburban because I want our inner city to stay um, open, but I uh, are not crowded. I would say, like, I never get on the interstate. I'm, you know, it's easy for me to get around when I stay in Midtown. But um, I would say, don't. Don't be afraid of an old home. I mean, there, I I think some people would be old home people if they weren't so intimidated, or if other people didn't scare them, and they think, oh my god, the house is going to cost me so much money. The house is going to fall down. I, no, no, house. They they will reward you by making you feel good, um, and I would say explore and also part when it comes to Omaha other parts of Omaha, explore parts of Omaha that you, if you're really looking to buy, don't just do it because you're desperate for home. Do it because there are lots of great parts of the city that you may not know are there. That's right. So, and
1: then you can be a part of their, you their know, renaissance. Yes. I just Love that. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Good thoughts, man. Uh, gosh, I mean, when I, when I think about this, I think about, um, just understanding quality outlasts quantity any day. And uh, there's a natural scarcity, as you kind of put it, uh, to historic homes. Um, I think we can build great new neighborhoods. We can build them with a lot of historic, people-centered principles, and they will last the, you know, <laughs> the test of time. But the fact is that there are properties that will be around uh, in. Another two hundred years. I really believe it because they're so valuable, because of because of the investment that went into them to start. And then there are other neighborhoods that are less than fifty years old today that won't be with us in another fifty years. Just because they weren't built to last. And therefore, if if you are an old home person and you happen to find yourself into one, just respect the home um, in a way. I mean it's you it's it's yours sort of. You're a steward of it at that moment. But do things and, and make those kind of updates that make it yours. Do it for you. But do so with, a, with an eye to um, what should this home kind of be. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, because you guys have all walked into a house, and it's almost like there should be like a voiceover that, you know, you walk into the kitchen, and it says, and this was 1985, you know. <laughs> like y- you feel it. And somebody just ripped out anything that was historic to it and said, of this moment is what I want. And I think there's a way to update things as you go. Mm-hmm. that can be done with with nods to the history that can still uh, you know accommodate very modern lifestyles but you know have a longevity that then goes and so that someday that property can go to your grandkids that can be somebody totally else long in the future and they'll look back and think like somebody took care of this we're proud of
2: it now too yeah i think you're right and i know i'm supposed to be done but i want to say one more thing i'd be the truth i'm not a purist in that i don't think that every old house has to stay and and you know there there are house museums for a reason and we go to see them and they're wonderful but typically some people feel like they if they're going to buy an old home that they can't paint the woodwork or they can't, or they can't do things to personalize the house. And I absolutely, they can, do we it. still have to live yeah. in these homes. We have to bring them to We want to put in master baths. If the, if it's possible, our lives have changed. You said that at the very beginning. And so, um, yeah. And, and so like, yeah, I want to, I want to see lots of parts of Omaha, especially like Northeast Omaha continue to grow and flourish, but not that doesn't necessarily mean every one of those houses has to stay. And that can be a controversial thing to say, especially as an old house lover, Um, because other old home lovers can get kind of vicious. Like, don't you dare tear that house down, or don't you dare paint over that woodwork. Sometimes you just got to. Mm -hmm. So, And I think there's plenty of opportunity here. It's opportunity. That's what it is.
0: is. I think one thing that comes to mind, uh, a couple of things, actually, I'll try and distill it down but you know i was showing a couple of house in morton meadows a number of weeks ago and you know there was some natural settlement cracks in the foundation or whatnot and and they're like oh should we be worried about that i was like well this house is over 100 years old and it's still standing and it's still in great condition so you know like could it be a concern maybe uh maybe you look into that but like the house itself like you were talking about scott it may be here another 100 years right like it's not going anywhere uh, if you take care of it, it's going to be a great investment and a great value add to to the neighborhood. And so, uh, yeah, I think I think I like that idea of not, not being scared about getting into some of these older homes that maybe do have some datedness or um, some, you know, we don't want to scare buyers away from homes just because they're old. So the other thing I appreciated when, Scott, when you and I were looking at houses a couple of years ago, I just appreciated how you would walk in and uh, you would look at, oh, you know, this pink tile in the bathroom. And there'd be some buyers that'd be like, man, I, this is so old, we need to tear this out. But just an appreciation for, you know, why was the bathroom all pink? All the tile was pink and the, the sinks and everything matched. And just having sort of a historical mindset of... Um, looking at that and saying, yeah, there's some value here, even in, in some of these older design elements. Yeah. They
1: tell a story, you know, you can, you can update them and you can, but you can find ways to live in it. You don't have to just ball it up and
0: throw it away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, this is good. Uh, thank you again, Tim, for joining us today. The home podcast brings you the most relevant and up-to-date information on the real estate scene. If you have questions or topic suggestions, please email us at nmosley at npdodge.com. You will find all relevant links discussed today in the show notes, and we look forward to talking to you again next month. Let's do it. All right.